Hi, I'm Diane Earnshaw, founder of Oxpops International, and I'd like to introduce you to our podcast series, Expert Voices. During this season, I'll be chatting to research professionals and leaders in their field about how they use and how they integrate insights, video and strategy in order to get great cut through in their companies. In this episode, we're chatting with Andrew Ryingu, a marketing researcher at Meta. I'd just like to say welcome to the podcast today. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Dan. <laughs> That's okay. Um, so obviously you a key figure in market research. What would be really great to begin with is just to talk you talk us through your journey. How did you get here? How did you start? Oh, okay. I think with everyone in market research, I, I stumbled into it. I, I don't think I set my eyes on ever being in market research. It was in uni. I was in my final year and I wanted to get a serious job after being a bartender for a while. And uh, someone asked me if I would consider doing telephone interviews uh, as a part-time gig. It was different because it was not going to be it was not going to be late at night. I was tired of working nights and you know with shift working bars. So I thought, okay, yeah, day job, and I can transition my way into getting a serious job. Is what I told myself. Um, I kind of liked it. I liked interviewing people. I liked listening to what people had to say. I liked, and I was then I was curious what happens to all this data we collect, all this information. Where does it go? Um, and yeah, I guess from there, my curiosity led me talking to the CEO and asking him, Hey, could I, uh, and he, he explained to me how everything works and how they start the whole process and how the whole research is started from the brief into the collection and the analysis and all that. And I was like, Oh, I'd like to understand that. And he offered me a position to project manage. So I started Coalface and that was back in Australia, in Sydney. Uh, and yeah, it's been over, I think 15 years now and I'm here in London now, <laughs> my experience. So have you been mainly on qualitative research or working quantitative? Uh, I started as, I started doing both actually. I started doing both, but largely on quant. I was largely collecting and measuring. It was from a, from a product, from a collecting data point of view and also analyzing it. I got bored because after a point numbers, there's only so much numbers entirely. There's no intrigue behind numbers. It's 50%, 50%. Um, Whereas I think emotion was was always something that I, I found was really keen when people tell you what they don't tell you. So I moved now more into qualitative research after about four and a half years of doing a lot of quant. And I've sort of stayed, I stayed with qual for a while um, and qual sort of became the thing I love, but I can do quant, but I, I think I, I do gravitate towards emotion, towards people, towards chatting. So qual to me feels like it's the heart of all insight and quant just allows you to measure. So do you think it's changed a lot from when you first started, like the research industry and the methodologies? Yeah, it has all done. It definitely has. When I started, there was papi, there was paper. You were ticking off stuff. I mean, Capi was just coming up. Catty uh, was, was near about coming. Changed from data quality, being able to manage data quality, methodologies with Reliance. I think back in the day, there was a strong Reliance and you had to have a huge sample size to be able to show that you've really done research. Um, I think now we, we flag that it's indicative. I, uh, the industry is, is changing in terms of adopting best case scenarios. And I think research has always been traditionally thought as it should be the decider of all. But now we're finding researcher more as an enabler sometimes as even uh, an enabler to guide good decisions or, or an enabler to to tell us we've made a, a bad decision in, as well as guide and tell you this was a bad decision we made. So. I think it's changing and the impact that insights or research is having in organizations is being, it's coming up. It's actually being identified as, as, as a core need for the business moving forward. Do you think insight has a, um, 
a more pivotal role now or yeah. than it used to? It depends on what. Um, I always say that um, marketing insights pivotal role. I think what you're seeing more and more now is insight professionals have and they are changing to sort of tending to be a mix of strategists, marketers, and also researchers at the same time. Uh, but their mainstay being research by value of, of having understanding how consumers see things, being at the coal face of the insight professionals have been asked to come in at various levels of the journey. Whether you choose to accept that, I always say it's up to individual levels. Like I know a colleague of mine who really does not enjoy creative or doesn't feel like they're very good at criticizing creative or offering critique on creative. So they don't mind being in the meeting, but they won't say much. Uh, whereas I love creative. I love giving feedback on creative. I love giving feedback on media. I love seeing how media is there. So it depends, but I do think just because you've, you've got a whole understanding from the consumer up until that point of execution, there's, there's certain milestones where insights are needed to offer guidance and to offer suggestions. Yeah, completely agree. Do you think, so with insight, in my experience, what's happened over the years is that there was always a problem with um, key stakeholders actually taking it on board or getting cut through with it and then having actions come out of that. Has that changed, do you think? Or or how how has it changed? I guess it depends on the market and the level of, um, of interest. So in Australia, I felt that every time I would do research, yeah, you'd present it and then sometimes decisions not take us fast to execute. I think there was a lot of, it, it took a lot to travel up the chain. That was back in the day. I remember when I now decided to say, okay, let me try doing research in Africa. They would, we would give a report today, in two weeks, whatever you recommended is up to, it's, it's, it's either a marketing campaign or it's a billboard, it's something like, they acted on it immediately. Like we were partners. But I think it's also a factor of how well do you unearth the insight. I think what gets what I've seen a lot nowadays, and I'm seeing a lot of, um, is a lot of fluff, a lot of good written words, but not much substance, um, and that struggles to go up the chain. I think when I've what 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 really goes is clear, impactful. It's going to do this, it's going to do this, and I think so. What researchers are that have been able to move up the chain as researchers that have done that. When I've seen research not going anywhere, it's two things: either it wasn't a business priority or it just didn't give anything compelling. So the one of those two things. Now, business priority, you can't blame research. Compelling, you can blame the researcher. Like, yeah, you didn't show a compelling story. So that leads me nicely into, um, you've, you've been a, 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 you've used video or you've been sort of an advocate for using video in research. Can you talk me through sort of like when you first started using video and how that helped and why you chose it? Oh, yeah. Um, Video is always a great way to reinforce quantitative sentiments. Uh, quantitative videos are kind of like, God, why did, again, why subject count? Why did consumption of biscuits drop by 10%? And you're like, oh, and the client's like, no, it can't be. We had a new packaging. We did this. There's got to be a reason why. And you're like, okay. Sometimes you're trying to, it's a seasonal. Sometimes people maybe just had a bad day when they're filling in that survey. Let's track it. Anyway, you're going, the video is always a great way of either validating that hypothesis or nullifying it. In many instances, video usually, because it's raw sentiment and it's just based on, this is just a dipstick. We're just trying to get a, a dip in time, a moment. It's really, really helpful. That's how I started and it was called Vox Pops and what you guys are called. <laughs> so that's what they were called. Vox Pops were always used to try and, and they always used to reinforce quant data. They were never used as standalone deliverables. But now what you've seen moving forward, 
that as executives struggle and death by PowerPoint being something that a lot of researchers have not been able to overcome, video really helps land the message much quicker and saves you the time if you're a nervous presenter presenting. Can you talk me through any projects yeah. that you've done? One that works clearly on mine that I first did, would, would, I think that I'm proud of anything was with you, was Vox Pops, was uh, one we did with my previous employer called Safarico. And we were pretty much just trying to show the board the opportunity of harnessing the power of our data. It was a telco company. It grown really fast. It's been one of the biggest. Um, how do you then show that the power of your data is what you can use to influence this moving forward? So there was various minutes things that we're trying to show them in terms of by understanding our data because all we had was just data. But the data was, if I could explain it, it was data that was in our library with all the books falling on the floor. And you had to now rearrange, like, where does this mean? Where does this mean? So video helps show how clank it is, but also the possibilities that exist with the data we have. And that's what we're able to unlock. And I think because of that, the board agreed to focus more. And that was about four years ago, three and a half, no, three and a half years ago. The board has now, the, through that, the board agreed to focus on data analytics, data analysis, and that's actually become a big arm in the business now in terms of how they reference it. And that was all because of a video. Again, okay, let me not say it because of a video. I'm sure they also knew <laughs> that, but the video just nudged them further. So you moved from Safari, yeah. came over here. Safaricom to Safaricom. to Meta, to London. I was moved to London. So as a researcher, uh, again, I'm not speaking on behalf of the company. I'm just speaking on what I do. Um, I, I am, the guide I'm meant to do is to offer, is to help shape, inc shape incubate, and scale marketing strategies uh, across our international markets uh, for, for Meta. Now, within that, if you consider Facebook's usership, which is quite broad, or Meta's usership, it's quite broad. Um, there's a lot of nuggets that sometimes get lost in the data and sometimes, and it's a company that is really data-driven. Where is the data? Show me the data. Show me the data. Show me the sentiment. Um, it's a very data-driven organization. So coming to, to that, I would, I would say video is more or less used to reinforce a community story. Uh, to reinforce a community story because we're all about the community, we're all about giving part to the community. I I'm still trying to see if the video can be used to tell insightful data stories. I just think by virtue of where we are, it might come, but I think you have a lot of people who are still stuck on showing traditional numbers, the traditional set in a file, and it's read out and you can see we increased by X percent. And that's still there, but I think it would be so good to see how that can be translated into video because I think there's a lot more. But again, maybe there's issues of a... It's, it's sensitive data and we don't want people to know about it. So, and we don't have an in-house capability. So better do it in a PPT. I don't know, but those are just my, 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 my guesses. So having worked in different countries, <laughs> um, what have been your main challenges um, in terms of adapting and understanding um, different cultures? Has it been really different sort of doing research in say um, Australia to Africa to the UK? Of course. Uh, yeah. Oh. Yeah, I think it would, and we'd expect it to be different, right? Um, it's two things. Uh, friendliness from your respondents, uh, cultural norms. So, uh, for instance, when you're interviewing in places like in, in India, in Africa, uh, even in the Middle East, if the interview is for an hour and you end up talking for two hours, they won't kick you away. Same thing as a group. Like if a group starts late... Uh, and it ends up going longer than what was planned. People, people are very, are very uh, egalitarian with their time. They're very friendly. They will tell you, okay, I will share my time. Then I'll share my opinions with you. And once you feel satisfied, I'll leave you. Um, you and sometimes what happens when you travel, when you take a contingent of 
West of of a Western team who are used to it's time, it's time. You feel that even though you're trying to be respectful to show that oh we don't want to keep you here, but it might not just come across as disrespectful because they might think why are you in such a rush to leave my presence uh, when I have invited you to my presence. So trying to get people to understand when we're in people's presence, let's let's take it all in. Let's not be truly trying to rush our agenda. On the other hand, on the flip side, you do research in uh, Western markets in Australia, UK, the US. And you find, especially the UK, a lot of cynicism. People are quite cynical. And you're not sure, is this a true response or is not? And so how do you split out uh, what is really true? And then, of course, uh, they're more reactive. They've also got a lot. I call them weird. They're, they're Western, they're educated, they're industrialized, they're rich, they're democratic. Uh, so I think they, they have a lot of... Sometimes I feel, when I compare the two, I feel when you do research in countries that are non-Western or non-weird, you tend to appreciate the value of what products and marketing does. And when you do research in westernized markets, you get to realize how spoiled humanity can be. So I, I see it in both ways. That is such a that is such a great name, though, weird. I'm going to remember <laughs> that. Weird, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if anyone else uses they that. They do. Be able to I did, oh, really? Oh, okay. That's really cool. Tell me, working with Meta, how does such a big company understand the individual markets and individual consumers? Well, there's a lot of data, first of all. We have a lot of data. Um, these, the, but there's some data which we don't have as well. And a lot of that is how people are feeling about us being with them, about about our vision, about our... And I guess what's more intimate, especially when we talk to... What's more important is when we talk to... When we when we talk about an audience like uh, content creators or influencers uh, that are available on our platforms, how do you engage them to be able to become... Um, I guess for them for them to to see value in spending more time creating content on your platforms. Because you've got to understand that right now the game has become very, uh, the social media game is not what it was 10 years ago. With the Facebook like company, video can be, uh, with, with Meta, I keep saying Facebook, with Meta, what I've noticed is you've got to be very, I think you've really got to understand how you use video. Video has been traditionally known to be hard because how do you ensure you sell it and you sell it in the right way. Now, with uh, I think we've, we've, we tried one when we're trying to highlight how the impact we can have uh, based on a, on, a, on, a, on a campaign we did in Nigeria about the metaverse. Um, what's great is that the video was able to highlight raw feedback from the creators, especially when it comes to about positivity for the brand. Because, uh, yeah, when it comes to people saying, you know, we really like Facebook, it's, it's amazing when you speak in, in the US and also the UK, people are like, how do you love our brand, but in other places like Nigeria and other places in Africa, there's a lot of love, and I think we see it and we feel it. Um, so, from from my perspective, I think working. If we take that as an example, like how do you how do you tell a story of empowering a community to show value of your product or of your services or of your tech, and that's what we're able to unlock with video sometimes. Uh, and most times we're able to con- we're able to unlock with other with other video partners a, a community story that shows how definitely our apps are enriching society and enriching the world and actually make the world a better place, not a bad place. Going back to influencers, how important do you think is the influencer culture to research? Oh, it's huge. It's huge. Um, first of all, I think you've got to understand what research. Uh, actually, it's all UXR marketing research. I think an instance that I stumbled on uh, was about, uh, I, uh, I it was an, it was an, uh, was an emir 
I think about thirty uh, percent of the budget, or twenty percent of the budget of their budget is on influencers, or their marketing budget is spent on influencer content or content creators. Content creators are big, especially when you think of what's what the what we're seeing in this with with with, with Afrobeat from Nigeria, Amopiano in South Africa. Um, I I I I what I'm what I am seeing is that as researchers, how are we harnessing this folks to be able because they're always on the ground they they know what's up they're setting or they're setting a falling dreads or they're part of emerging culture they're keeping things going and they're part of what's going on how do we plug into them so that we're not far from behind and we know and i think what i've also what we've realized is that a lot of the opinions they hold are of a majority so they're able to really from a research perspective i feel speaking to a, an influencer or creator I feel like I've spoken to 50 people. They're that representation. I know that sounds hyperbolic, but that represent that's the that's sort of I'm trying to give you the magnitude of value they represent in their opinions that you can be able to take on. So, what do you know about the different types of video that people are using in the research industry? So, for example, I'd, when I when I first started off doing video, it was I used to get this all the time. Oh, it's not real research. You know, talking to people on camera, they can't possibly tell you the real, that how they're really feeling because they've got a camera in front of them and all the rest of it. And we used to, we started off doing box pops and then we introduced video diaries. Um, and then we've done all sorts of different things like segmentation videos and all kinds of stuff. What, what do you know about the different types of video technology, te- methodologies in research? I do like storytelling videos. So taking data storytelling, I think there's a, there's a key there. But do I have a preference? I don't think I've done enough to say I have a preference. That's to be fair. I think I'm always open to trying new things and I'm always open to what's there, what what can we do differently? I'll be, I'll be honest, yes. Um, I like how we've progressed from just putting people on the camera and asking random questions and saying, yes, that's it. I think video is doing well of showing trends. And I think when you have video footage and trends, you're able to to start saying, when we asked the same question 10 years ago, this was the answer, and, you find, and there's a way you can be able to dramatize the effect with video. And I think that's what we need to get better of us because I think, especially if we're trying to influence marketers, influence leaders, I, I feel business leaders need a little bit of some drama to feel like, oh, okay, I think we should act. So how do you dramatize it? So with a little bit of drama, you know, everyone knows like a little bit of some, of some drums. So how do you dramatize? Video can do well to dramatize, but I think sometimes maybe we go back to just being very factual. Again, because of the bad flack we've got that oh, this is not research. So you're trying to be very factual, but I think there's there's room to be playful and a bit more, yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. Are there agencies out there who say, contact the influencers and say, right, go in and give them a research brief of such? There used and to then- be. I, I've seen them. Because to do this, you've had to... It's tricky because... One, influencers, content creators, they're not going to do anything unless you pay them, right? So a lot of the time what's what's happening is you're picking young people who may be connected to some of this and trying to use them to gain their connection to talk to them. The key thing here is how do we ensure that we can partner with all of them? Creators can pass on a message better than you can pass it on. Creators can make the message believable better than you can make it believable. Now, there's a caveat. Yes, they've been paid to do it and they've been paid to ask for it. As a researcher, you're paying consumers to come and give you opinions. I don't think there's a problem paying as an incentive to listen to opinions of a creator. I think there's a lot much more richness in that 
because it also helps you to understand where their mindset is, and you're able also to unlock unmet needs through them. And unmet needs for creator can unlock unmet needs for hundreds, thousands. I don't know. I, I the possibilities are endless. Okay, fantastic. Let's have a chat about VR and the role of um, VR in research. What, what's your take on that? It's, it's too it's too early to tell. I remember when SMSs blew up, and I was like, "Ah, oh, SMSs! This should be the great way to get feedback." And I keep reminding people, "Yeah, people use SMSs because I want SMS people I want to talk to. I don't want to, I don't want to talk to a brand that texts me just because I like chatting on one. And that's what I'm saying. I'm just just because there's you've seen a pattern of behavior doesn't mean that pattern of behavior will match to your um, to your intended outcome, which is to fill out a survey." So everyone's asking, okay, does that mean research will now move fully VR? I don't think so. I think what it'll do, it'll enable us to reach more audiences that we were leaving out. But will it fully replace? You can, you can replace this. And this is what the whole thing about the metaverse is, and even what meta says is, it's additive. It's not meant to replace. So VR in itself is meant to be additive. Um, there's a lot of stuff we will be able, we can be able to do in VR and make people feel more comfortable mm -hmm. in time. Uh, like being able to sketch out stuff in, like for instance, you could have done this meeting in VR and I wouldn't have to travel across town. And so there's a lot of things that would happen. We'd be able to say that and we'd be able to do things. And by that time, the tech would have been so great that it will feel like we're just in this room again and we're in my own space. Uh, or even you could do it without AR glasses. By the way, I'm wearing the Ray-Ban story. So we could be doing the AR glasses where you come and appear with me as a projection in front of me and I'm doing the survey with you at my home or, and you could be in Barbados and we could be doing this. The possibilities are endless. It's just what our minds want it to be. Agreed. So where do you see research and video going in the, for, you, for yourself in the next sort of like five years? In the metaverse. <laughs> <laughs> That's where I see it. I, I think... It's, it's really interesting. Um, I see there's a lot of potential for video. When you start talking about the future and start seeing in terms of how do you then start into integrating all this embodiment into a video? Like how do you, how do you start, how do you start using video to, to show the, I mean, this is me speedballing, but the possibilities in five years will be different in terms of the tech that will be then. How do you infuse that tech into video? Tech like uh, immersion tech like uh ephemerality being able to see it and see it once like how do you how does video be able to to show that i mean there's uh when you talk about expression video being able to harness expression how does that translate into a video world like i think video how do we then do this podcast in the metaverse for an example like how do we then show that is that possible i don't know um i think the my view has always been video is always if for instance if for insights has always been limited by the insights professionals so based on <laughs> based on what you create and that's based on the creativity so i feel video can go as far as your mind can take it to be and can be as ineffective as your mind wants it to be i so agree with that because we've had a few clients over the years who have always embraced a new way of doing things so we've um, worked with sky quite a lot and as soon as we introduced 360 filming they're yeah, 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 let's give it a go, let's give it a go. And then we did um, interactive video. They were like, oh, yeah, 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 let's have a go with this, you know. So, but there are a lot of companies who literally, they will still come to us, I shouldn't say this, but, and they'll say, oh, I've thought about using Vox Pops and it's a new way of doing things. I'm thinking, I've been doing it for like 30 odd years. <laughs> hey, it's new. <laughs> but that's that's fine. Yeah. But there is definitely, 
a spectrum from where people start off using video, mm. where they can end up and where their imaginations can take them. So yeah. And you can always guide them. And I think always I think you guys as Voxers can always guide us because you're part of the industry. How we how, how I mean I'm always keen to see how video companies like Voxswap are, are leveraging the new tech that's coming up to be able to to and again again, how does it become an additive experience rather than a replacing experience? Because that's that's what we're looking for. And video so far has been additive. So how do you maintain it? I think where video loses, we try and this sounds bad. If we try and move away from our place and start saying, no, we can be additive now. We can be more. more. I th video is great when it's additive, and we shouldn't try to jump our guns and start saying, well, no, we can be more than additive. We can be the full story. So, on that, you see, I think what happens quite a lot is a lot of more traditional insight departments don't necessarily get the budget and they won't so, so say they've got, I don't know, 100 grand to do a research mm -hmm. project or whatever. They won't actually say, okay, I'm going to spend 10% mm -hmm. on the communication of this yeah they'll just say no that's all got to go to you know finding respondents or i don't know whatever agree you're, and you're right and, 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 and i'll tell you why and when i when i dig deep when I, even my, my own boss video is hard video just requires a lot of time for them to sit down to edit through to look through okay can i see this frames i'm sure uh pete can tell you how much time back and forth and, and that's the problem and then when you have a, when you have a lot of people so some market researchers say Geez, ah, I don't want the hustle, man. Let me just deal with getting the readout or the report. And then this, because I'm going to spend, and to be honest, sometimes they don't know. I'll be honest. What I was looking at as the, as my, what I was looking at for the first video I ever did is different to what I look at now. Like the things I'm looking at and the tone. I didn't know then. So how do you build that muscle or how do you outsource yourself to be that muscle? So yeah, Drew, how are you using the metaverse? In doing in conducting in doing your research, I'm not. We're still building it. <laughs> it's still been built. I'm not using it. I, I'm not. I, I'd be lying to say if I am. What we are pioneering is being able to, and we'll see this then, is being able to. How do you, like, how do you get feedback through a VR experience, through an immersive experience? How do you ensure? How can you? How does that work? I, I think in a device, you know, it's clear. It's get a prompt. Um, when you're at a store, they'll give you a paper or, so, or, or an email will be sent to you to get feedback. How do you do when you when you immersed? Especially when we're trying to show that the data doesn't, your data is secure, it's not that your data is stored elsewhere, it's only stored on the device. So how do you ensure you're able to get feedback but being able to ensure privacy and all those things that are concerned are there? So short answer is nothing because right now there's a lot, there's a lot of things we're building to try and get right to even allow that to happen. Anyone who says they're doing research, I don't even know what that means. I mean, you could probably moderate a session, and, I, and that's where I see you. But we could moderate sessions in the metaverse uh, as research. Um, not yet there. Okay. Not yet there. But okay. we, we're, we're building to work. Yeah, that would be really good to keep in yeah. touch with that, actually. Yeah. Drew, thank you so much for coming along today. And thank you. I hope it was helpful. I really, really, really appreciate it. It's fantastic. Thank, thank you so, so much. much. I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Thank you.